Good morning, everybody. My name is Tim, and this is my assistant, Susie. And uh, hopefully the energy that you just felt with those kids singing is something that is expressing the energy of Palm Sunday. And with that kind of energy, sometimes you can't contain it. And Susie just cannot contain the energy and excitement. And so she's going to preserve her voice for next week. Because first service, it kind of left the room. It came back. It came back, but you guys missed it. First service, in the middle of the message, I completely lost my voice. So I was like, turn and talk to your neighbor. So Tim, without any like planning, is going to tag team this message with me. So let's give it up for Tim. Yes. Perhaps you've heard of this historian, Barbara Tuckman. She, uh, in writing history, had one rule, and she said that her one rule was no flash forwards. And the idea with a flash forward was that in the story, she's telling the, you know, a story of a battle, the Battle of the Bulge. And you can, in that moment of telling history, say, well, we all know how this is going to happen, right? Because it's history, it's looking back. And so there's anticipation of knowing what's going to happen in that story. But her one rule was no flash forwards, that you had to stay in the story because the people in the story, they didn't know what was going to happen next. So you have to live in the story with them, and that is her rule for history. So over these next seven days in Holy Week here in church history, we are looking, celebrating four significant days. Today, of course, is Palm Sunday, and then on Thursday is Monday Thursday, when there was the Passover feast was happening, and the, the Last Supper happened, and then they were out in the garden praying with Jesus at night. And then, of course, Good Friday is when Jesus was crucified, and that is a huge day in history, of course. And then, of course, Sunday is the resurrection when we celebrate, and the day that we still today are celebrating every Sunday the resurrection of Jesus. So this morning, we want to look at each of these four days, and perhaps look at how we fast forward and flash forward in our own minds sometimes related to these four days. So, kind of... <laughs> confused what to do. <laughs> is it my turn or is it your turn? <laughs> yeah. Your turn. My turn. So Palm Sunday. Here we are. We have the palms. The kids have the palms. They're singing. And what happened in history on that day? Do you know what happened on Palm Sunday? Talk amongst your friends and find out what happened on Palm Sunday. You guys got it? Palm Sunday, the triumphal entry, the day Jesus came into Jerusalem and people put their cloaks on the ground for the donkey Jesus was riding on. They put palm branches on the ground. It was the entry of a king. And Jesus was entering into Jerusalem in this way. Now, we have a symbol for Palm Sunday. And what is the symbol? Palm branches, right? But what were they thinking then? when Jesus entered into Jerusalem. What symbol did they have? Ooh, no, not a crown. You're jumping ahead. Day one on that stool. We thought maybe a sword. A sword. 
They were thinking Jesus is going to come in. He's going to take out the Roman Empire. He's going to raise Israel up to be established as a nation in power. And they would no longer be oppressed. They would no longer be owned by other nations. But they would be their own people with their own power. And Jesus would lead them into it in political might. So they're thinking a sword on that triumphal entry. They're singing expecting bringing Jesus in, looking for political victory. In our own lives, Palm Sunday can kind of represent that same thing for us when we come to Jesus. There's this approach to Jesus of, Jesus, what are you going to give me? What can I get from you? You know, maybe you have some problem in your life, and you're like, Jesus, here's my problem, solve it. And so with this Palm Sunday, it's kind of representing those anticipations about Jesus, his coming to town then and his coming and showing up in our lives today. Now, Rhodes Scholar, I don't know, did this guy make it to be a Rhodes Scholar? Well, I was reading a story this week just about this guy who was, uh, he was trying to get this Rhodes Scholarship and trying to become one, and he said to another guy, he said, I think God is going to give this to me because then if God gives this to me, God will look good. Okay, that's kind of Palm Sunday to me, right? Like, Jesus, do for us what we want you to do for us. We want you to be the military leader. We've been oppressed as a people, We have been conquered as a people by the Assyrians, by the Babylonians, now by the Romans, by all these different groups. We want you to come with your sword and be the military leader. And uh, Jesus defied their expectations. That's what they expected of him. Um, And just think a lot of times in life that's what happens is we have this idea of like, Jesus, give me this job. Give me this whatever thing I want. Make me happy and uh, Palm Sunday just reminds us that Jesus defies our expectations all the time. And they wanted him to be a certain kind of king. And he's like, I'm not going to be that kind of king. And the, uh, yeah, just I think for so many of us, it's happiness, right? It's like, make me happy. And uh, really, Palm Sunday reminds us Jesus didn't come to make us happy. He came to make us whole. He came to make us holy which is so much better than happy, which is fleeting, which is, uh, you know, changes. But we often are pursuing that and saying, God, give me this thing that I think will make me happy. Be the military leader I want you to be. And he comes and defies their expectations in that way. That's day one, Palm Sunday. And there's several days Jesus is in Jerusalem, gathered, doing things. And comes to Thursday. We call it Monday Thursday, and this is the day um, in Jewish history they were celebrating the Passover, the Passover of God and the Tenth Commandment, or the Tenth Plague in Egypt, releasing the people to go out of Egypt, freeing them from slavery. So on that Tenth Plague, the Spirit was going to pass over all of Egypt and take the firstborn. Unless they did this Passover festival where they ate a lamb in haste, put its blood on the doorposts, and prepared themselves in that way to leave 
and in that way they marked themselves for the, the spirit of death to pass over them. So the Passover. So they're eating this meal together. Jesus and his friends are gathered for that meal. And what symbol do we have when it comes to Monday, Thursday? We often have the symbol of the water basin. Because at that meal, you may recall, that Jesus washed their feet. Now, if I was going to bring some of you up here and wash your feet, how would you feel about that? <laughs> Seriously. Sh- creepy. Awkward. Weird. Uncomfortable. Yes, it is not a normal thing in our culture, but in their culture, that was a very normal thing to have your feet washed because you're walking around on these dusty, dirty roads with sandals on, and you're out and about, and when you come in, it was common for the servant to wash your feet, to get off the dust of the road, to get off the stinkiness of whatever else was on that road, and to clean your feet. And usually that was done by a servant, but here Jesus turns things upside down by taking that role of a servant and washing his disciples' feet. So that's... we. Think of that Monday, Thursday, Passover as, yeah, I'm <laughs> just not sure when she <laughs> wants to talk. <laughs> Go. So. I know. If we were one, this would be better. Where's the oneness? I, I hear you saying, oh, wait, that's for <laughs> uh, so the idea with this message is that the pictures on the screen represent what we typically think of in reverse history, and our props on these stools represent what we think maybe the disciples would have been thinking in real time. So we tend to read these stories with that you know, fast-forward lens that the historian, you know, the story about the writer, um, we tend to look at them and go, oh, we know the end of the story. But the props represent maybe what the disciples would have been thinking real time. So for Monday, Thursday, I look at that picture um, that we often look at, you know, and it <laughs> that looks good, nice. I think it was like they were thinking Jesus for president. They're thinking, be the king we want you to be. And what's so fascinating to me about the Monday, Thursday story is, you know, who's right next to Jesus? Judas which to me is just this amazing reminder that at our very worst, when we are completely betraying Jesus, when we are mud in our face, when we are fallen in our shame, when we are just at our very worst, Jesus loves us right there. A lot of times I think, I don't know about you, but I think, okay, once I clean up my act, once I get my, you know, stuff together, once I, then, uh, then I have God's grace. I have, but that's just like working for my salvation, right? That's kind of a, um, a merit-based salvation plan as opposed to a mercy-based. So Monday, Thursday is just like, wow, you know, right in the midst of his worst moment, Judas's worst moment, Jesus is loving him there. And uh, so they were, we think of it that way, but I think they were still like leaning in like Jesus for president, still hoping he's going to be the king, he's going to be the ruler. So it's a theme between those. Good. Palm Sunday, they thought, hey, come in as a king. They're still thinking that on Monday, Thursday. And the message to us is that Jesus loves us despite our dirty feet, despite our failures, despite our fears and weaknesses. It's about what he is doing to cleanse us, not what we do to come to him. 
So we move from there into the next day, which is Good Friday. And Good Friday, common symbol that we carry with Good Friday, when we think about that day, what is the symbol? The cross. We think of the cross, the crucifixion, what happened on that day of Jesus going to the cross, Jesus ending the violence by not retaliating, but by taking it on himself. That is the cross day. He's absorbing all of sin and suffering in order to transform it into something that God could do something new with. And so, on that day, they're thinking something different. Again, we have these sword coming as a king. Maybe on this day, they're thinking Jesus is going to come like he did to the temple to clear out the temple. He's bringing a whip. He's going to clear things out, and he's going to make things new, right? So they're thinking, come on, Jesus, clear out the temple and set it new on that day. And Jesus had something different in store for them. Are you going to show everybody how that I am. This, I got this when I was 10 oh, in Essex gosh. Park. Who's, who's? Whoa. Yes. <laughs> Susie didn't do that in the first service. I did not do that. I was actually afraid if I did that, I would hit myself in the face. So I did not do that. Don't tell Russell we have that. (laughs) So that takes us to the fourth day we have up here, which is Easter. Of course, we think on Easter of the empty tomb. We think of the stone rolled away. I think in real time, living this moment of history, I think the disciples were thinking fishing, Like, they're just going back to their day jobs. And they're probably thinking, what in the world went went wrong? And so in real time, I think they're thinking, we're going back to fishing. And we look at Easter in hindsight, and we say, empty tomb, resurrection. But in that moment, um, I think they were thinking, returning to what they did before. Back to you. (laughs) We did plan that you'd talk about Saturday. Oh, right. Okay. Okay, I'm going to try to do that. Okay, one day we didn't talk about. We don't have a stool for it, but we have a little space for it. It's this day between Friday and Sunday. We sometimes call it Holy Saturday. So it's the day after despair. It's the day after confusion. It's the day after death disappointment, and it is the day before clarity, hope. It's the day before life. So it's this weird in-between day, this day Saturday. And uh, we just we're talking, it's, it is um, like most of life is lived on that day, Saturday. It's the day after a prayer has been prayed, but before it's been answered. It's the day after the diagnosis, but before clarity or hope in the midst of the diagnosis. It's kind of between bad news and good news, despair, hope, death, life. That's Saturday. And you just imagine Jesus' disciples on Saturday. They're right here. And what are they doing on Saturday? 
I kind of imagine that they were probably gathering together, probably retelling the story. I mean, the city that had been so um, violent for blood the day before is silent now. It's quiet now. And maybe they gather and they remember and they think, what went wrong? Like, what in God's name went wrong? We thought he was the Messiah. And Saturday is this continuation of trouble. And, you know, through the scriptures, it's interesting because there, there is this theme of third-day stories that you read throughout the whole of the Bible. And on day one, you have trouble. And on day three, you have deliverance. And then in the middle day, day two, what do you have? More trouble. Continuation of trouble. Silence. It is a strange day, Saturday. And most of our lives are lived in Saturday. Um, God is going to come through, but the thing about Saturday is we don't know how. And we don't know, uh, we can't control it. We don't know how he's going to show up. We don't know the outcome yet. And uh, so it's, a, it's an interesting day, Saturday. Um, in Philip's, Philip Yancey's book, The Jesus I Never Knew, he talks about his early impressions of Jesus, and he says that as a kid in Sunday school, he often thought of Jesus as like a, like a kind European nanny who came and would just be like, good little boys, good little girls, now be nice to your mommy and daddy. And uh, he actually talks about an image he remembers in his... Um, growing up in church, and he says this, Jesus in this image in his church. You can just imagine if we have any images of Jesus in our church, and if this reminds you of any you see right here. Um, he said, Jesus had long flowing hair, unlike that of any man I knew. His, <laughs> I know, funny, right? His face was thin and handsome, his skin waxen and milky white. He wore a robe of scarlet, and the artist had taken pains to show the play of light on the folds. In his arms, Jesus cradled a small sleeping lamb. He says Jesus had in this image no sharp edges. He said he was kind of like Mr. Rogers. And later in the book, he says, but who would kill Mr. Rogers? And this is where whatever we expect of Jesus... He defies our expectations at each turn. Palm Sunday, they thought military ruler. I think Monday, Thursday, they're leaning in around the table, Jesus for president. They have this idea of who he is. Um, I think on Good Friday, they're like, come on down. Get out your whip. We've seen it before. We know you can get angry. Get angry now. And on Easter, they're thinking we're going back to fishing. And at each juncture, Jesus is defying their expectations. He's surprising them, which I think is just a reminder to me and to us, like whatever we think about Jesus, maybe there's a surprise for us there. Because you read through the Gospels, and if you come with just your idea of who he is, He's just going to blow that up over and over, like, oh, different than you thought here, different than you thought here, different than you thought here, you know? Some people come into the church, they love our stained glass because it speaks to exactly how they imagine Jesus to be. 
And in some ways, that is true. But there's other ways, right? We hear other stories, whether it's in the temple or different moments in history and in his life where he's different than that. And other times people come in and they immediately don't like that image. And they immediately kind of have to reconcile, how would Jesus look like that? But either way, no matter what your expectation is, I think Jesus challenges us and surprises us at every turn. And uh, so I don't know where you are at this Holy Week, if you are uh, in the place of Palm Sunday, hoping Jesus will do something for you. It might look that way, or he might surprise you and it might look different. Or maybe you are kind of in that Monday, Thursday place where you, your shame is so in your face and it's so before you. And the message of Monday, Thursday is exactly at that point that Jesus sees, and he knows, and he loves, and his grace is there. And maybe it's Good Friday, it's just that dark, dark, dark season of your life. And the thing um, I think about the Saturday day is just that no matter what, no matter what our Saturday pain is, no matter what that looks like, the promise of Easter and what we remember on Holy Week is that Sunday's coming. Easter's coming. The resurrection's coming. So uh, we'll see you next week for that. And I'm not going to talk between now and then. Does that like a deal? <laughs> so let's pray. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for gathering with us today that we can look back in history and hopefully see a little bit more of the accurate thing that was happening. And not just our revised history and the things that we want to see. But God, I pray that you'd open our eyes and our hearts to see you then and to see you active still today in our lives and in this world, ready to surprise us. Bring us to the communion table to meet with you and encounter you this morning. Pray this in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.